All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, the gathering of the saints together, I know is a blessing in your eyes. Lord, I pray this evening that you administer to the hearts and minds of the saints here, and I pray that you would speak to anybody who's not saved here as well. I pray that your word would not return void or empty, and I pray for those who are going through a valley right now, Lord. Those who are struggling, those who identify with Job and with the disciples and with Paul and with Jesus. The suffering that brings about such great things, Lord. We pray for our time tonight that it would be a time where as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated and welcome everybody. Tonight, we are excited and privileged to have a guest speaker. And the guest speaker that we have tonight, he is a good friend of mine. He is a pastor at Calvary Chapel Lifeline, which was in uh, Irving. And uh, little over a year, maybe a year and a half ago, the Lord called him and his family to go to be an assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Refuge, which is in Huntington Beach. But um, I'm excited because uh, I know the heart of the man that is going to stand before you. And, you know, it's interesting that as believers... We don't get rescued from trials, but we get strengthened in them. And that's a hard thing to learn. But there's nothing like pain that will cause a person to go deeper in their relationship with Christ and to know him better. And that's the reward of going through difficulties and struggles. The reward is Jesus himself. And so I know a lot of you tonight are going through hardship and difficulties and struggles. And I want to encourage you as our brother comes up and speaks that the trial that you're going through could end up being the greatest blessing that will ever occur in your life. And as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, just know that God is with you there too. And so we're going to bring up Shaddy here to talk to you, my friend and pastor at Calvary Chapel Refuge in Huntington Beach. Um, I, I do want to say hi and uh, thank you guys for allowing me to speak and especially John and, and Tummer and um, I, I, I know it doesn't need to be said, but you guys already know what an amazing pastor you guys have. I don't need both, do I? All right. Thanks guys. So John has, uh, has been my pastor for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. Um, he's the guy that, um, has been my close friend and, um, Whenever I ran into anything that I needed advice on, um, John was gracious enough, and, and Tummer, those, those dinners that we took, uh, to, to really encourage me, to remind me um, of what my calling is, and to stay the course, and uh, he was kind enough to let me beat him at golf as well, pretty consistently, so I, I do want to thank you for the graciousness of, of that, but... So John asked me to, to come and, and get to share with you guys uh, really about just the difficult season that, that we've had since we left Texas. Um, it has been a, a difficult season, but it's been a season where God has been showing off. God's been doing really cool things in it. Um, and my, my family, my, my son especially, uh, 16 years old, you know, as, as, a, as a teenager, there's definitely ups and downs, uh, but the Lord has grabbed a hold of his life in a way that uh, makes it all worth it. It really does. It makes it all worth it. So those are kind of the blessings um, of doing, of going through it. But when you're going through it, it is not fun. 
it, it, is, it is not fun. And uh, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. We're going to talk about what happens when we endure a storm. I don't know where we would be without the Lord's faithfulness as we go through it. Mark chapter 4, I titled this message, Navigating Through a Storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, and he being who? Jesus. Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And then a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Lord, we, we do give you this night, and we pray, Father, that you would be glorified in this, Lord. Lord, from, from my testimony that I'm going to get to share, Lord, I pray that you would get all the glory. I pray, Lord, that it would encourage others, Lord, that there is a way to navigate through a storm. I pray, Lord, that, that, that there would be a greater blessing on the other side, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. I read a passage like that, and I just can't help but to put myself in their shoes, right? It starts off with everything going really great, right? Life could not get any better. They, they just had a full day of ministry, right? Jesus is doing his Jesus thing, right? He is healing people. He is teaching profound things like the parable of the sower. He's listening. He's, he's ministering. He is spent, but he is doing great things. And the disciples get this courtside seat to all, this one, all these wonderful things that are happening. But they had no idea what was in store for them. They had no idea what was coming that night. They're thinking life is great. We've got Jesus. We're on the same boat with Jesus, right? There's multitudes of people that would trade places with us in a heartbeat, but it's us. We get to be with Jesus. He's right there. La, 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 la. Like everything is going great. But they don't know. They don't know what's coming. And that's how it is. One minute, you're fine. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get hit with the storm that really just shakes the foundation of your life. And it feels like the waves are just unrelenting one after another. And you're lost. You're, you're no longer on course. You're, you're cold. You're wet. You're miserable. You're clinging to whatever you could cling to. And that's what it is with the disciples. Look at how bad the storm must have, been, must have been. We read that it's a great windstorm. In California, I got to explain what a great windstorm is. You guys know exactly <laughs> what a great windstorm is, right? A really bad hurricane. And it's causing some serious waves. And these waves are just beating on the boat. And Matthew's account tells us that the waves are actually sweeping over and into the boat. And, and, and the boat is just this little fishing boat, right? It's, it's, a, it's a glorified rowboat. 
There's nothing special about this boat. It's got no engine. It's got no radio. You can't call the Coast Guard, right? You're, you're just alone. There are other little boats that went out with them, but, but they get lost somehow. Either they see the storm coming and they're like, nope, we're turning around. Or as they try to go through the storm, everybody gets separated because there is no more mention of those other boats. The disciples are all alone. And in their minds, they're like, we're done for. We're in this little boat against these really big waves. And our little boat is taking in a whole lot of water. And, and remember, these are, some of these guys are really great fishermen, right? They, they know the sea. They, they've been doing this their whole life. So when they start to panic, you know that it's bad. And they're freaking out. Big storm, powerful waves, too much water. We're past the point of help. We, we can't go back. Can you picture it? This little boat getting tossed around, wave after wave, disciples screaming their heads off. And even their screams are... are are silent compared to, to the howl of the wave, of the wind that's going through. I, I feel their desperation. I, I feel it because I've been there. I felt it. I've been in a storm like that. See, when we were in Texas, life was awesome. And you guys are like, yep, shouldn't have left. <laughs> I, I had two jobs. Job number one was to take care of the kids. Isabel, uh, she would drive off and she would go to work. And, and my job is, you know, I was a pastor, so I got to stay home and study and take care of the two sweetest little kids you've ever met in your life. It was awesome. And then being a pastor was, was my other job. And I got to pastor the sweetest group of people imaginable. No offense. <laughs> but they, they're incredible. And, and life was like in this bubble. For seven years, we lived here. Life was incredible. Everything was great, healthy, happy. Kids were young and cute. We're living the dream. We, we lived actually right across the street here, over by Timber Creek during that time. The, the, the church that we were at, they started treating us like Texans. Like they gave us that honorary card. They got me the, the fancy cowboy hat and started liking the cowboys, which yeah, I know, I know. But I'm with you, though. We're in it together. They got robbed last week. Anyways, <clears throat> but it was great. And then the Lord started stirring us to go back to California. And I, I, I want to make it clear that even though life is much more, much harder in California, I know 100% that the Lord called us there. there. There's no doubt in my mind. So the Lord calls us back. And Isabel and I, my wife Isabel, we were joking on the way back that uh, clearly it's the Lord because he parted the Red Seas, right? We're the only people going back to California. So it's wide open going there. At the way back, it's like bumper to bumper. So clearly, this is the Lord. But as soon as we got back to California, everything was different. It was like as soon as we, we crossed the border, right, from, from Arizona into California. Arizona? Arizona. That's right. I've done it. But as soon as we crossed that border, our, our cute little kids suddenly became adults. They became teenagers, or me-nagers, as some people like to call them. <clears throat> we also had to live with my parents for almost a year to save up to buy a house, because in California, you need $100 million to buy a house. Uh, so we, we had to do that. And living with your parents, with your wife, and two me-nagers uh, is not... Uh, fun. 
I, I got to serve at the old church that I was at, which was a huge blessing. Uh, but, but there's a lot of pressure that came with that. Um, I, I'm the administrative pastor, which means I kind of have to run the day-to-day of the church. And I've never really done that before. So there's this huge learning curve. Uh, so I would go to work all day. And Isabel would work from home and try to keep the kids quiet and try to keep my parents happy. And uh, it, was, it was hard. And I remember talking to her about it. And I was just like, just... Just keep it together. Hold the line. We're gonna, it's just a season. It'll get better. Um, we're going to fall. We're going to find a place. We're going we're gonna to fall into a rhythm. Um, I'm going to hit my stride at church, and I'll be able to help out more at home. But we had no idea what was coming. A good friend of ours passed away. A brother that, that attended our church someone that I loved and looked up to. Shortly after that, my, my dad passed away. Um, that happened in December. So in about three weeks, it'll be the one-year anniversary of my dad passing. This, this is a man I, I, I love very much and looked up to. Model father, model husband, man of God, just amazing man. And now all of a sudden, everything is, is crazy. My mom is, is reeling. I got to take care of my mom. She's, she's fallen down as well. And, and then after that, if things couldn't get any worse, things got much worse. My son, Nathan, was diagnosed with a very rare uh, mutation, genetic mutation where this thing that should have been hereditary, but it didn't come from us. It just, a fluke, it just started with Nathan. This thing fills his colon with polyps. And it's all of it. Like, it's, it's bumper-to-bumper polyps. And, and that made him very susceptible for developing cancer. They, they said if, if his colon is not removed, um, he will not be with us by age, I think, 35 or 30, something like that. So we're like, okay, we're gonna, we have to remove a part of his colon, and now we got to remove the whole thing. Okay. And then we got to check him every year to see if there's any cancer in his brain or liver or there's another one, too, that we got to check. And because we went through that surgery and we had to remove the entire colon, there were some complications that came with the surgery. And there were many trips to the ER because of that. And every time you go to the ER, they hold you for like five or six days. So there's, there's a good two days where he's just in excruciating pain. And then the other days, they're just like looking out for him. And it was like wave after wave, hit after hit. And if, if I'm honest with you guys, it, it really did feel like I was drowning. Like, there were some days where I just did not want to get out of bed anymore. And again, Isabel and I are looking at each other like, what else is going to happen? But then it's like, okay, hold on. And, and a lot of times we would take turns. I'd be the weak one, and she'd be the strong one, or she'd be the weak one, and I'd be the strong one. But it'd be like, okay, just hold on. It's just a season. We're going to get through. And, and here's the thing. A season in Christianese, what does that mean, right? It means this is really uncomfortable, I don't like it. God, please make it stop, right? We, we don't know what this is. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we don't like it. And I'm positive there's people in this room that know exactly what that feels like. This unrelenting storm has hit your life and has tossed your life upside down, and you've been knocked off course, and you have no idea how long the storm is going to last. And with each hit of the wave, it leaves you cold, wet, tired, and miserable. And you're like, Lord, make it stop. So when you're in that situation, what do we do? How do we get out of it? When when life gets really hard, when you get bad news, when you get laid off, when you get bad health news, when 
when, when something unexpected happens that forcefully alters your life and you find yourself cold, wet, and miserable, what do you do? It starts with Jesus, right? Where's Jesus in this story? The disciples are wise to go to Jesus. Jesus is in the back of the boat taking a nap. How could he sleep through this? The howling of the wind, the, the crash of the thunder, the violent rocking of the boat. How is Jesus asleep? It's because he was tired. It's because he wasn't afraid. Just because the disciples are afraid, just because I'm afraid, just because we're afraid, doesn't mean that Jesus is afraid. Jesus has been going around preaching and healing and, and listening to people and ministering to people to the point of exhaustion. And it says that they, the disciples, they took Jesus as he was. I, I, I picture Jesus just crawling into the boat, just out of exhaustion for all the things that he's been doing. And he gets into the, he gets into the boat, he goes to the back, and he's like, I'm out. And the disciples are probably like, oh, shh, we got to keep it down. Jesus is sleeping. He did a lot. Let's let the man sleep. And, and there's this really cool, juicy little detail in here that Mark tells us, which according to tradition, it's, it's Peter's account, right? Peter told Mark what to write, and Mark, Mark wrote, wrote it down. Peter tells us that Jesus was not only in the back asleep, but that he was actually asleep on a what? On a pillow. Matthew records the same event, but he leaves that, good, that little nugget out for us. The pillow struck Peter as strange. I, I can see Peter retelling the story years and years later. Right? We thought we were going to die. We were running around on that little boat, frantic, screaming. We didn't know what was going to happen. And there's Jesus on the back of the boat with his head on a pillow, fast asleep. You can't tell that story without laughing. Like that had to elicit chuckles. It's almost like, how dare he? How dare Jesus fall asleep on a pillow in the middle of a storm like this? It's a ridiculous picture. Everyone's screaming, and Jesus has his pillow and his blankie and his warm cup of milk. Like It's like, how are they on the same boat? But let's stop for a second. What an amazing picture of the peace that we are offered in the middle of a storm. This is the peace that's in Jesus. He is not afraid. He's not even a little bit worried. He knows that we're getting to the other side. It's not even worth getting out of bed for or out of the pillow for. You guys, that, that peace is what is offered to us. That's the peace that makes no sense. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace that you and I can have when life throws its worst storm at us. Disciples, unfortunately, they're, they're still a little late to the game here. They're still freaking out. And they're, they're a little upset at Jesus for taking a siesta. So they awoke him. And in their hysteria, they asked Jesus a question. Don't you care that we're perishing not, not that you're going to perish, but don't you care that I'm going to die, Jesus? Doesn't that feel like, like they're taking a shot at Jesus a little bit? How dare you sleep at a time like this? Jesus, I can't take this. I, I, I'm, my life is going to the bottom of the sea, and you don't care? You're, you're not going to do anything? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, do something. And you guys, that, that is a very, very common response. We all know that, that God allows you to go through trials and storms. 
He allows them to crash into our lives. Just because we're close to Jesus doesn't mean that we won't go through hard times. But yet, here we see the disciples. An hour ago, they were singing Jesus' praises, blown away by all the cool things that Jesus is doing. And here they are an hour later, and they're questioning everything. Don't you care that we're perishing? That is a ridiculous statement. I really want to get on the disciples and make fun of them and say, where's your faith? I I wish I could tell you that that didn't happen to me. I wish I could say that I can't relate to the the disciples. But the truth is, I wrestled with those very questions. I wrestled with, Jesus, why aren't you doing something? Jesus, why are you allowing us to go through this? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, don't you care? Can't you see what we're going through? And I want to tell you from experience that those questions, if they are not dealt with, will make you drift away from your king. You will focus more on the problems and less on the one who has the power to solve your problems. When storms hit, rest. Just like Jesus, rest in the peace of knowing that he's there and that he, and that he does love you and that he does have a plan for you. When those thoughts come in, like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, deal with those thoughts. Take those thoughts captive and don't let those thoughts fester. So the disciples, they, they questioned Jesus. And Jesus responded, right? What did he do? He woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, what did he say? I like, shh, that was good. Peace. Be still. And then what happened? The wind and the waves got crazier, right? No? They became still. And it's like, yes. And I can see the disciples high-fiving each other. Not so much. He turns to his disciples, and just like they questioned him, he is now going to question them Jesus asks them, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid and where is your faith? Jesus, by asking those questions, the implication is that they should have known better. It was wrong for the disciples and for me and maybe some of you to be afraid. It's wrong for us to be afraid. And and I read that and I'm like, well, how is that possible? If if we're in the middle of something really, really big, if if it's that serious, can't, can't we be a little afraid? Can't we be a little bit anxious, Jesus? And Jesus asks, why? What good will it do? Why are you so afraid? Right? If, if we're not afraid, then we have faith. Right? That's, that's the opposite. It's one or the other. So by Jesus asking, why are we afraid? He's asking us to trust him. Trust that I got you. Trust that I'm going to get you through it. Trust that I've got a plan for you. My plan might not be what you want, but trust me. This is an exercise of faith. When we're able to let go of our fears and to trust the Lord with our lives and even the lives of our loved ones, we will experience great things, starting with peace. We're going to sleep better than we ever had. 
We're going to worship more than we ever did. We're going to be more thankful than we ever had. In the middle of a storm, we're going to see God's fingerprints all over our lives. See, it's natural and normal for us to think that the greatest problem is that storm, right? If I only had better health, if I only had more money, if I only had fill in the blank, everything will be better, right? That's my problem. I'm not pointing at you. Did that once, and he came up afterwards, and he's like, were you pointing at me? I'm like, so sorry. I was not pointing at you. Mm. Now you threw me off. <laughs> Just kidding. So we think the storm is our greatest problem. The disciples believed that this fierce storm was their greatest problem. But what does Jesus point out? Jesus, what does he point out? He points out that our, our problem is not the storm that is raging around us. Our greatest problem is our fear and lack of faith that is raging in our hearts. That's the problem. So how do we navigate our hearts through the storm? How do we squash the fear and and build up, exercise our faith? How do we do that? We're told. Right here in this passage, I see three faith builders for us. Faith builder number one, remember. Remember that Jesus has led you into the storm. The reason the disciples are in the predicament that they're in is because Jesus in verse 35 told them, let us go, let us cross over to the other side. Why are they in the storm? Because he told us to go over to the other side. This is so important to remember. It's important to remember because sometimes when we're in a storm, we're going to want to think and be like, what did I do? Why did I, why did I do this? This storm was not a punishment. They did not bring this upon themselves. There was no bad decisions that were made. They weren't disobedient in any way. They are exactly where Jesus wants them to be. It is because of obedience that they find themselves in the middle of this storm. Did Jesus know that they would face this monster of a storm? Absolutely. And yet he led them into it anyways. But wait, Jesus, storms are scary. Storms hurt, right? But yet he leads them through it anyway. Jesus has no problem leading us through a storm. Why does he do that? Because there's something great on the other side. There's growth that happens during the storm. It's good for us. It gives us an opportunity to flex our faith. It gives us an opportunity to see God do amazing things. So when the storm hits, and it will, remember that you are going through it by design. It's not an accident. You're going through it on purpose. Faith builder number two. Jesus is with you. When Jesus sends us through the storm, he doesn't send us alone. He's always right there in the boat with us. He doesn't take us out to shore, put us on a boat, and then just send us off into the sea. Good luck, guys. Hope you make it through. He's right there on the boat. He feels the ups and the downs, just like we feel them. He's getting wet, just like we're getting wet. He might be quiet. It might feel like he's disconnected or that he's taking a nap or maybe even that he doesn't care. 
but it's not true. Don't mistake his silence for indifference. Jesus is not indifferent towards us. He cares for every single one of us. And if you feel like you're perishing, he cares about that. And and the thing that really proves that love on this boat is the way that Jesus woke up. Did you guys notice that? The rocking of the boat didn't wake Jesus up. The crashing of the waves didn't wake Jesus up. If there was thunder in the sky, that didn't wake him up. If water was splashing on his face, that didn't wake him up. The only thing that woke him up was the cries of the disciples. That he heard. That's what woke him up. You guys, he hears us. He hears us. No matter what we're going through, he hears us. So pray. Keep talking to him. Don't stop talking to him. Instead of drifting away from him, cling to him. Tell him everything. Tell him that you don't like the storm. Tell him the last wave knocked us on our our bum bum. Just talk to him. He's listening. He's got an attentive ear to us. The third faith builder is to remember that Jesus is way bigger than your storm. One of the really cool things about going through a storm is that we get to see just how big our God is. When the disciples got onto that boat, Jesus was just a teacher. Sure, he was special. But when they woke him up, they said, teacher, don't you care? Right? He was, he was their teacher. He was their rabbi. When the storm hit, they were terrified. They woke Jesus up. Teacher, don't you care? And then once Jesus got up and he hushed the storm, we read that the disciples feared exceedingly. They were terrified of dying before. But then they were exceedingly afraid. That fear of the storm is nothing compared to being in the presence of God. That's what they realized. Holy moly. Who is this that's in the boat with us? This is not a teacher. This is God. And and they might have known that before. But there's something about God showing up when you need him most. And it's like, that's right. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Don't forget that the one who is with you is way bigger than your problems. The one who's with us is the one who speaks to the storms who commands the storms. And in this difficult season, right, that, that we're going through, I, I wish I could stand here and tell you that Jesus, he said the word and all of a sudden my son was healed and he raised my dad back and, you know, everything is, is awesome. He didn't. Nathan had a surgery. Nathan's doing a whole lot better but they're still having to to cope with life without a colon. But God kept doing things to show us that he's there, to show us that he's in control. And those things are awesome. I'll mention one of them. I I mentioned earlier that that Nathan had some complications after the surgery, and we had to go to the ER like, like four different times in a span of two months. And when, when, we, when he got sick and we had to go to the ER, Nathan would get, his stomach would seize. It would just lock up. And he would literally be hunched over for 30 to 35 hours. And he would be in blinding pain. Like he couldn't move. If he tries to move back, he would hurt his stomach. It was horrible. And, and as parents there's nothing we could do. 
So we would, it would tend to hit in the middle of the night. So in the middle of the night, we would take him to the ER. They would pump him with some really strong drugs. And then we would just have to wait out the 30 to 35 hours. The last time we went to the ER, again, it was like 1 or 2 in the morning. We went to the chalk that was near our house. And we go in. And it's packed. There's just kids everywhere. And I wheel Nathan in on, on the wheelchair, and I kind of put him there in the waiting room, and I walk up to check him in. And the, the nurse behind the counter, she's like, you know, it's a two-hour wait. There's nothing we could do. And I'm like, he needs medicine. We need to get him in. And she's like, look around. It's packed. There's nothing I could do. And I'm like, okay. So I go back to Nate, and it's my job now to give him the bad news. And I'm like, Nate, they say it's a two-hour wait. And he's like, there's nothing they could do. They, they, I, I need the medicine. I need to see a doctor. And I'm like, I tried, bud. There's nothing we could do. And then there was like 10 seconds of silence. And then he goes, how about we pray? I'm the pastor. Like, this is me that should be saying, we need to pray, Nathan. So I'm like, yeah, I was just going to mention that. Let's, let's, let's pray. So we prayed, and he prayed for healing. He prayed for the doctors. He prayed for a way that the Lord would open up and, and get him in. And uh, so we, we sat there another five minutes or so, and then I'm, I forgot something in the car. I'm like, Nate, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go and get a bag or something. And as I'm walking... I go up the elevator to take to go to the to the parking structure. And there's there's a gentleman in the elevator. And it's clear that he works for the he works for the, the hospital, but he's not a doctor. He he's not a nurse. He's he's in a suit. And all of a sudden he wants to be friendly. He's like, hey, how are you doing? It's one o'clock in the morning and I'm in a hospital. Like what what do you like I, I'm on, I'm in no mood. To, to talk. I'm in no mood to, to have a conversation. What's your name? You know, is it your son? Is it your daughter? What's going on with him? And I'm, again, fail number two as a pastor, right? But I'm, I'm trying to be as, as short as, as possible. And, and as I'm explaining what's going on, uh, he says, it sounds pretty serious. It sounds like we really need to get Nathan a room. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, that would be awesome. Are you sure you could do that? He's like, yeah, I could do that. Sometimes God sends angels. Like, I, I honestly, there, there is a chance that this is an angel. So I, I, I run back to Nathan. I don't even go to the car. I just come back to Nathan. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I, I just bumped into somebody in the elevator, and he said he's going to open the doors, and he's going to get you a bed. And then Nathan goes, God answered my prayers. Yes, he did. The thing is, though, as we're waiting there, when I was checking in, there was a lady in front of me. And I guess they had been there for a while. And she was like, how much longer? And they told her another hour. And she, she points to her daughter, and she's like, my daughter is like, she needs to see someone. And it was kind of the same thing. Well, take a number. And when I got there, right behind her, they told me two hours. So I think she was waiting about an hour. And then I started feeling really bad that we kind of jumped the line. And I'm like, Lord, I see that you did this, but how on earth could we cut in front of this lady and her daughter? And I'm, and I'm thinking, like, would it be okay if they take our spot? And I'm like thinking, like, how am I going to break that to Nathan? Like, and my head is spinning. But I'm like, there's, there's no way, Lord. I, I don't know how we could do this. And um, <clears throat> the nurse comes up and she calls Nathan. And then she called the girl next to us. I'm like, this is God showing off. And, and I mean this with respect. I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to God here. But I, I truly believe that God over and over and over again wants to remind us that he is God and I am not. We serve an amazing God. Amen. And storms are a real part of life. 
And, and we can't, unfortunately, control whether we go through them or not. But what we can control is how we go through them. How are you going to go through the storm? There's, there's this really cool illustration, and you might have heard it. It's definitely not my illustration. You guys hear about the cows and the buffaloes and how they deal with storms? I, I thought you were Texans. Come on. Come. When a storm comes, you got a herd of cows. When the storm starts coming towards the cows, the cows can sense it. And what they do is they're going to look at and see the storm coming, and they're going to turn around, and they're going to run as fast as they can in the opposite direction. The problem with the cows, though, is they're, they're kind of slow. So the storm eventually overtakes them. And as it overtakes them, they don't stop running. They just continue to run. So they started running away from the storm. And now they're running with the storm. They're going in the same direction. So they're maximizing the time that they are spending in the storm, and they're maximizing the pain that's inflicted because of the storm. Buffalo are different. They too can sense when a storm is coming. But instead of turning and running away, they face it head on and they charge right into the storm. So they end up passing each other. So they, they spend less time in the storm and they have less effect, less pain that's inflicted on them because of the storm. So be a buffalo. You're like, how am I supposed to do that? Don't waste your time and energy trying to run from a storm. Don't be afraid of it. Turn and face it head on. Remember that, that he who has led you into the storm will be faithful to get you through it. Remember that you're, you're not going through the storm because you messed up. You didn't do anything wrong. Remember that he's right there with you. He loves you. Talk to him. Don't drift away from him. And remember that the biggest storm you will, you will ever face is teeny tiny in the presence of Jesus. And he's going to want to show you how teeny and tiny those storms are. So look for those opportunities that God's going to take to show off in your lives. So keep your eyes on him. And if he's not worried, why should we be worried? If he's taking a siesta, then grab your pillow and take a siesta with him. Maybe a blankie, a warm cup of milk. Rest in the fact that he loves you and that he's with you. Amen? Lord, we, we do thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being so faithful. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done, Lord, in the storm of our lives, Father. Lord, you have been faithful. Lord, you have been amazing, Lord, and you have shown off to, to remind us, Lord, that you are right there with us. And Lord, I pray for anybody here who's going through a storm as well. Lord, and, and maybe their storm is far worse than mine. But Lord, even if it is, you are just as faithful, you are just as mighty, and you love them, Lord, so much, and you will get them through it, Lord. So Father, I do pray that today, Lord, would be a turning point. Instead of running from the storm, Lord, that we would turn around and face it, and Lord, we would stand, and Lord, we would cling to you, Lord, with all that we have, knowing that you got us, and that you're going to see us through. We thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Wow. Thank you, Shadi. I know sharing that, I could tell the Lord has ministered to you, and he is very real and reminds me of how in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it tells us that the, the ministry that God does in our heart when we go through trials is the same ministry of comfort that he'll allow us to give other people in their trial. And um, 
I could see that the Lord used you to minister to many through that. And what's important when we go through trials is to go through them. And that's sometimes the easiest thing that's missed is just go through them. And uh, that was just brilliant how you brought out those points to remember Jesus in the midst of the storm. And the people that I know that just seem to have the closest relationship with the Lord are always those people who have gone through the most and suffered the most. And so um, what I'd like to do is, uh, Colin, can you guys come up? Um, we have a few minutes left, and just want to have a little time here to worship the Lord. And if you wouldn't mind, Shaddy, if you could come up and pray with anybody, and maybe Isabel can come up with you. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but... Um, and uh, Bob, can you come up too? So we're just going to worship the Lord. And if anybody would like prayer about anything, then um, we'll be up here to pray for you. And uh, don't be shy. We're a family, all of us, if you're in the body of Christ. And whatever you're going through, you're not alone. And the Lord is with you, and so are your brothers and sisters. And what you're going through is something that every believer goes through. It just is different shapes, different styles, different colors, different looks. But the trials are real, and so is God. And so um, we'll be up here to pray. If anybody would like prayer, just come on up. We're going to worship the Lord, right? <laughs> you got something in there? So um, let's worship the Lord. Maybe we can dim the lights a little bit, and uh, we'll be up here if anybody would like prayer. Let's stand as well.